This is Gary W. Johnson, a.k.a. The Vintage Gentleman, coming to you with something that might inspire you, empower you, and motivate you to be a better version of yourself. There's a lot of things going on in life. There's a lot of things going on in this world. Different people are dealing with different things in different ways. And people have adversity. And adversity is something that we're going to have, and we're going to have to deal with it, you know, one way or another. But the thing of it is, we want to try to give you something through our topic of conversation to help you be a better version of yourself. And hopefully you can benefit from some of the things that's being said. Today, I reconnected with a, a friend of mine that uh, we grew up together uh, from kids. And uh, we had a part where we broke and didn't see each other, you know, as, as teenagers and things like that. And we reconnected. And uh, But anyway, uh, we uh, grew up in the projects in uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, there's an area called Bunton, and we grew up in the projects, Rose Cherish Projects. And uh, as kids, that's when we first met and uh, ended up going to the same elementary school to start off, you know, with our schooling and ended up graduating from the same high school, even though there was a break and we went to different junior high schools and things of that nature, different elementary schools later, but we ended up graduating from the same high school. So right now I'm going to introduce you to this young man. His name is Anthony Mitchell. How you doing, Anthony? I'm good. How are you? Man, I'm fantastic, man. Glad to see another day. Uh, on top of things, man, I'm excited about life and uh, glad to see another day getting it off the luncheon pad, man. I am too. Uh, look here, we are old. We done got past that 60 mark. And to me, anything over 60 downhill if you don't take care of yourself, you know. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling blessed. Uh, and I feel what most people might think of, if, you know, the word relevant. I feel relevant. And Good. relevant means to be inclusive, you know. Okay. And do you want me to elaborate on that or what? That's strictly up to you, man. I just wanted to have a conversation with you. You know, we're talking about various things that, uh, you know, you've experienced in life. So if you want to elaborate on that, that's fine. Yeah, well, that's you know, look here, uh, relevant is a hell of a word. People, they, they, they minimize it and they, they, they really don't think anywhere near this. But as you get older, that's about the most we do is reminisce. And along with reminiscing, it come up with a whole lot of uh, answers and conclusion to things that wasn't answered earlier in your life. So you you find time to think about relevant. And then relevant, is like I say, is to be inclusive. And when you get older, if you're not relevant, you're doing nothing. And that means you're gonna die slowly and surely, you know. So when you're relevant, like me, I go rowing. Okay. I go rowing in a boat, you know. Okay. And uh, that rowing keeps me active because I'm, look here, I'm around white folks. I'm the only black guy there. 
okay <clears throat> and uh what this is is a uh, adaptive training for people who are in wheelchairs and things you know okay so it's about six of us and i'm the only black guy that's in a wheelchair doing it and it i had to they use a erging machine where we do simulated rowing on a machine but it's building up your upper body and your legs you know what i'm saying so it i'm doing exercise and uh that's my exercise i was doing a little bit of exercise at home you know but i've slacked up on that lately but uh it's keeping me relevant man and relevant is a hell of a word you know and so I try to be inclusive. I try to be amongst people who are inspirational, who are doing something, even though they are disabled. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. They disabled trying to do things other than being at home doing nothing. You know. True, true. Anthony, so so tell me, man, uh, uh, when you. Uh, we're living in the projects and we met and we used to play me and you my cousins and things like that uh <laughs> what yeah what year did you actually leave the projects what grade were you in when you actually left the projects i left the projects since going to the sixth grade i okay. left in uh i left i left south dallas we left south dallas in 61. okay uh I went to uh Harris Stone Elementary. Okay. And okay. I only I only did one grade there. That was the sixth grade. Okay. You over there with Stanley Wooten. Yeah. Ricky Roach and those guys. Stanley stayed up the street from me. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we used to hang out Stanley. <laughs> we I ain't seen Stanley since then. So I know he still know me, but we used to hang tough, man, as teenagers back then. You know what I'm saying? So uh, he stayed off about, I mean, uh, Talco. Okay. That, okay. Was down, that was down below Zoomwall. You know what Zoomwall Junior High School is, right? Sure, absolutely. I know what Zoomwall is over there on Ledbetter. So he stayed down Veteran Drive all the way down to, uh, you know, what they have, Pentagon Parkway and all of that down there. But right, he stayed right. on. He, he stayed on Talco, and okay. I did too. I stayed on Talco myself, you know. So, yeah. Uh, so Anthony, Anthony, uh, we left uh, my family, and uh, you know, I had you know mother and father, uh, and uh, you know, with my uh, uh, two brothers and one sister at that time, uh, and uh, we left uh, when I completed. Uh, the first grade in H.S. Thompson, uh, that summer we left and we moved to Highland Hills. And, you know, we moved to Highland Hills and I went to a school out in Joppy called A.L. Morning until they built a new school over there uh, in Highland Hills called Bishop Heights Elementary School. So you were still there like uh, 
all the way through the sixth, I mean, through the sixth grade when you left and went to Harry Stone. But uh, I left, you know, uh, as soon as we finished first grade. Uh, you know, as kids, sometimes we could walk up on our parents and the parents are talking. And uh, I remember walking up on the uh, 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 conversation that my father was having with one of his sisters because I had like about three aunts living down there. Of course, you know, one of them wasn't married and the others were, you know, but anyway, uh, you know, my family and you remember my cousins. And so anyway, I heard the conversation and my father was telling his sister, the projects is nowhere to raise a kid. And he was ready to get out of there. And uh, in the family, he was the first one to leave when we moved to Highland Hills. And uh, so my journey started changing at that point. And, uh, you know, from, from Highland Hills, uh, we moved to Marshall, Texas for a while, stayed there about a year and a half. And uh, after we left Marshall, Texas, we came back to Dallas and uh, I went to uh, Albert Sidney Johnston uh, in the fifth grade. Then we went to uh, another part of Oak Cliff and I went to uh, Roger Q. Mills. And from there, I went to Oliver Wendell Holmes uh, for uh, three years and then from there to Roosevelt and from Roosevelt to South Oak Cliff to graduate. So uh, I know you say you went to uh, uh, Harry Stone and then you went to Zumwalt after that? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, from Zumwalt to South Oak Cliff. Uh, and you had mentioned uh, 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 the wheelchair. But well, I know see, you had... Uh, see, uh, I had a very active junior high school. I was... Uh, in the band, I played. Okay. Trump, I played trumpet in the band. Wow! For, uh, for Zumwalt. Okay. So uh, I gave up band because I owned it. My my trumpet. I owned it. My trumpet. But the thing was, my mother couldn't afford a new one. New one because the one that I had was breaking apart. You know. Okay. So I got out of band because of that. But I was a damn good, excuse me, I was a, a darn good trumpet player. Okay. And uh, I was playing, see, they have cornet, first trumpet, second trumpet, second cornet, third cornet. That's what I played. Okay. So, uh, but then when I went to South Oak Cliff, I joined the ROTC. Okay. And I was in the ROTC uh, drill team. And the drill team did competition. You know, you seen how the Marine Corps be toiling them rifles? Right. We was doing that. We were doing that in competition with other schools. Okay, and, yeah. I can, I can remember that and recall... Uh, you know, some of the schools and uh, the competition was real strong. I mean, the way they would be battling and twirling the rifles and throwing them back over their shoulders and things of that nature. And uh, it was real exciting to watch. Yeah, that's what that's what I was doing, you know. And uh, so I stayed in uh, our TC all the way through uh, 12th grade. So... Uh, I don't think ROTC was my inspiration to join the Marine Corps. Cause look here, I got drafted. Okay. I, I got drafted, man. They sent me a notice for the army. 
So okay. I didn't I didn't want to join the army, man. I didn't. And I thought I wanted I said to myself then, being the age I was, I said I wanted something that was gonna make me a man, a better okay. man. I got you. And uh because I could have went Navy or Air Force because I was smart enough, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh but uh I said I'm going to choose the Marine Corps. Man. Mm. <laughs> that was one decision that uh, I don't regret it now. But I regretted it when I made it. You know, because, <laughs> hey, but it was pure hell, man. I mean, boot camp was no fun at all. So, <laughs> You know, I went the whole process, but I never failed. I never failed nothing that would take me forward. So everything that was uh, given to me to take to to move forward, I passed it. I mean, I took that time to know. I wanted to know firsthand, man, and so. And you know, I was good at what I'd done in Marine Corps. See, the thing you gotta know about me, I was a special op type person, man. I was a rope man. I could make rope bridges. I was the one that repelled up the mountain first with the rope line and dropped down to you to get up. I was the last man down with the rope. I had to take the rope. And sometimes we we climbed up cliffs that looked like moonstone, you know, I mean, big old moonstone. You got to clamp. And we'd be three or 400 feet, you know, at night. We had to do this. And I was good at what I'd done, man, you know. And uh, navigation, I did good navigation because uh, I can, all you got to do is give me a compass. I can take you anywhere you want to go, buddy. You, you won't get lost. That's how good I was, reading them out. And they and they put me to the test quite a few times. I had to lead a whole company out of the woods. That's how trusting they put in me. And uh, <clears throat> I wasn't a sniper, but I can shoot just as good as a sniper. Okay. I was bad, man. I wanted to be bad. I wanted to be... See, I was being trained to kill anyway. Right. But I wanted to... See, you got to be smart when you're killing. Right. You just don't kill because it's... Because it can come at you in a splatter-type way to where you just shooting pointless. You right. know, just ravaging out fire and just hoping that you hit somebody, you know. Now, I don't want to waste my bullets, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm going to be smart about my killing, man. Right. And right. I was. And I was, man. I was I was a deadly guy. Trust me. Okay. And, 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 and I still feel that same way today. Okay. Okay. Well, now, Anthony, I know you uh, went to uh, the Marine Corps and everything, and... Uh, you know, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, you uh, had went to the Marines, but, uh, you know, I never did go. 
in fact, my brother was drafted. And so they didn't come at me or my other brother because my oldest brother had been drafted. Uh, I had thought about uh, joining the military because I wanted to leave home. And, you know, I was just, you know, uh, at odds with my father for a minute because he wanted me to do things a certain way uh, and have a certain uh, structure for my life and giving me foundation. And I was kind of like a maverick, man, trying to go another direction and uh, getting caught up in a lot of different things out there, man, you know. Uh, you know, doing drugs and things like that and, you know, want to be my own man. And uh, I decided I was going to join the military. And, uh, you know, so anyway, I uh, went and enlisted and everything. But before I was sworn in, uh, I went back by my mother's house because I had left home. Went back by my mother's house uh, because she know I love sweet potato pies. So she had <laughs> a couple of pies, man. And uh, my father happened to be there when I was there. And we uh, had a cordial conversation and, you know, with my father, he had been to the military and he knew my brother, you know, was like in Vietnam, down in the Delta and everything, 82nd Airborne. And uh, my father really didn't want me to go. And uh, he was saying, son, you know, you don't have to go to the military because he knew why I was going, you know. And uh, he said, uh, you know, all you have to do is just you can come back home if, you know, you uh, want to, you know, listen to me and things like that. And uh, I decided, because the next day I was going to be sworn in, and I decided, you know what, man, I don't think I'm going. And my older brother was trying to talk me out of it. You know, he said, hey, 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 little bro, little bro. He said, man, I was sleeping in water. He said, leeches would get on you and, and be biting you, sucking, sucking your blood. You don't know it like that until they full of your blood. He said, man, you had to fight more than the Vietnamese, man. He said, man, it was tigers. He said, man, you had orangutans that would come off into your tent, you know, be throwing guys out like they're a man. He said, man, it's a whole lot you have to deal with, man. You come back over here, you know, you're not really appreciated and things like that. So he was trying to talk me out of it. My mother didn't want me to go. My father really didn't want me to go. The next day I was going to be sworn in, man. And, you know, I already knew where I was going to boot camp and everything. And uh, I decided, you know, that night, after having that conversation with my father, listening to what he felt about it, uh, and we getting on the same page, and my mother and my brother, you know, older brother talking to me and trying to talk me out of it. And I decided to uh, listen to them and not join. And so uh, I did not uh, go to the military. You know, I didn't go at all. So you had a very cordial relationship with your father. Yeah, yeah, we just had been out at odds, man. You know, when you're growing up, man, and let's say I got some friends and they're staying out to, you know, one o'clock at night and they're having fun and doing things. And, you know, with me being a, a teenager, 17, 18 years old, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm missing out on some of the fun and my friends having fun. They can stay out, but I can't stay out. And so my father and I, we bump heads, man. And uh, son, I need you to be here by 12 o'clock. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, and so, you know, you're out there doing different things. And one night I was visiting my girlfriend, had to catch a bus home, missed that last bus, I had to walk home. And man, when I got home, my father never like physically got on me or anything like that, uh, you know, uh, punching me or nothing like that. But, uh, you know, he was fussing at me and everything. And, you know, I, I really didn't want to hear it, man. And, you know, uh, I was just kind of like a maverick, man, and didn't realize because I was young and dumb, you know, I didn't realize my father know what happens out there after midnight. You know, I'm a young yeah. black guy out on the streets yeah. and 
in, after midnight, that's when mm-hmm. it happened. And he wanted me to be at home because he didn't want anything to happen to my life, whether I was going to lose my life, get hurt, or end up going to, you know, prison or doing something, man, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah. anyway, man, uh, I uh, I didn't want to accept that at that time. And that's how my father and I, we bumped heads. But other than that, all of my life growing up with him, you know, I loved my father. We had a good relationship. But when I decided I wanted to try to, you know, do things my way and be under his roof and eating his food, you know, he wasn't happy with that. And so anyway, that's when I was getting ready to go to the military. But, you know, we got on the same page and I decided, hey, look, you know, I'm going to be an obedient child. <laughs> but that's, look what here. It, that's what it boiled down to. Well, you had a better relationship with your father than I had with mine. Okay. See, my father was very dominating, you know, and shit. He'd have you scrubbing the floors, picking out the corners, wiping all around the the bathroom, uh, uh, toilet, and all that shit. I mean, excuse me, all that stuff. And uh, he... uh, it just had you doing different things that is detailed and he's so dominating man so but yes still my father was a dresser i mean he was a he was what they call a good time <clears throat> back then they called black men who out there having fun they call them good times so my yeah. dad my my father was was, was like that he he loved to dress, and he had all man. He had an overcoat for eight days a week. You know, I mean overcoat, not just dress suit. He had the overcoat, different colors and all that stuff, and all kind of shoes and sweaters and oh man, my father was dressing man. So as I got to be a teenager, I wanted to dress. You know, because you know, like how how Walter Thomas dressed, right? Oh, absolutely. That's the way I was dressing. I was dressing just about me and Walter was almost, but me and Walter, you know, we we've been hanging together ever since uh, junior high, because he went to home. home. Uh, uh, what's that homes? Uh, what, what's the name of that school? Home H S Home, whatever. Oliver went to home. That's Oliver where I met Walter in the seventh yeah. grade. We went home together for three years. Yeah, he went to Oliver Wendell home, and then he came to uh, uh, Harrison. I mean, uh, Zoomwalk, You know, so uh, I met him there, and uh, he was dressing even as a young guy. You know, so I wanted to do the same thing, and my father told me. One day that I was too much like him, and he didn't like that. He thought I was trying to be a player, and he <laughs> he wasn't far from that. He wasn't far from wrong because that's what I was trying to be. And I was learning how to talk to women, man. I was learning how to, you know, be accepted in any kind of group. Because, you know, we was hanging out with guys from West Dallas, South Dallas, East Dallas. We didn't have no certain differences. You know what I'm saying? I was hanging with everybody from West Dallas, mostly West Dallas. And everybody thought West Dallas was the baddest side of town, you know. So, uh, but 
I hung with people up there in North Dallas, you know, and uh, South Southeast, over there by Springs, over there. So uh, all up on uh, I can't think name that up. Man, I can't think the name of that street. Uh, wow. I think it's called, uh, what's that woman's name? Shoot, I can't think of the name. Anyway. They don't change the name of all the streets over there, man. That don't mess me up because I can't keep up with them. I don't, I just know where I'm at. I yeah. didn't know how to get where I'm going over there. I don't even know the street name, man, no more, you know. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, man. Uh, at at uh, what point did you end up being in a wheelchair, and what happened to cause you to be in a wheelchair, man? My situation happened on a surgery table. I uh, I walked into the hospital for a spinal cord surgery. I walked in. Wow. And then I was paralyzed after I got out the operating table. Uh, wow. I had two spinal cord surgery in the, <clears throat> in the same week because they had to come back and do a second one because I was still losing blood from the first surgery. Wow. And uh, it was causing a hematoma. Two of them, it was two hematomas on my spine. So they had to go back in and drain them both, you know. And that's what left me paralyzed. So uh, I haven't walked right since. So, uh, but I can stand up now. I can. Okay. I can walk, but I can. I have to have crutches. I I got crutches that I walk with, but I can't walk a long distance. You know. I got you. So, uh, but everything is. Uh, See, that's what I'm talking about being inclusive, being relevant. Because right. when I when I got when I got paralyzed, man, I went to hyperventilate. I mean, I started screaming and hollering and stuff, man, because I couldn't feel my lower body, you know? Right. So uh they had to shoot me with some morphine to calm me down because I was screaming like hell, man. I, what the hell is this, you know? Yeah. And so uh but after I realized what had happened, I didn't look back, man. I I, I said, I, there's nothing I can do. I couldn't move. I couldn't do nothing, man. I, I just, shoot, I felt bewildered, man. I didn't know what to do. So, um, uh, but I said, I'm going to look forward. Right. I, I can't I can't go back on what used to be now because it's not like that no more. I got to change what's going on with me now you know right right so they was putting me in the in the swimming pool and they'll hold me up on the on the banks of the water they'll hold me up and sometimes they'll turn me loose and i'll fall down because i couldn't i didn't have no control in the water i couldn't do nothing right but then finally after being in the pool about two or three different times <clears throat> I started swimming. I was dog paddling. Okay. I was dog paddling to the stairwell. So they seen that. 
So they said, well, see if you can try to swim. And I said, why not? You know. So I started swimming. I learned okay. how to swim. From that point on, I was swimming. And uh, finally, they put me in competition. Okay. So I was in competition for eight years swimming. Wow. Wow. And uh, I don't want uh, I won two gold, four silvers, and a bronze. Oh, man, that's fantastic, man. And the only reason I had the bronze is because I had a surgery of an implant, you know. So, uh, say, man, I... And that's why I was saying I've been relevant. I've been inclusive, man. I was I I done swimming, and I was the only one who was really swimming for the VA. Wow! And and uh, uh, I was winning, man. And I was swimming. I was swimming against guy way younger than me, you know. So, uh, and you know, but I I used that swimming to help build my legs, build my upper body. And it helped me out of my breathing and stuff, you know. So uh, it kept me small. I wasn't as heavy as I am now. I don't gain a little weight now because okay. I haven't because I haven't swimmed in shoot about six years now. It's been a while since I've been swimming. Okay, but I'm doing other things to 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 uh, to. Uh, you know, as a subsidy, I'm using rowing to give me exercise, you know. Okay. So, uh, I am doing something. That I'm not doing nothing, you know. And uh, that's what it's all about, man. I, uh, I don't let, I tell my kids to see my resilience. Okay. I tell my kids that Y'all seen where I was. Y'all y'all know where I was. And you see me now. Right. And I've been living on my own in this apartment that I'm in right now for 16 years. Okay. And uh, I ain't need nobody, man. Okay. okay. You know what I'm saying? So I've been doing for myself. <clears throat> and I have a friend, girl, that come by to help me with little bit things, you know, but that's it. Wow. So you say uh, your children. So uh, uh, were you married once before? Or you just had children outside of marriage. I had marriage and children. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, it was four. Of them. Okay. I got three boys and one girl. Okay. Okay. So they all grown and gone now. But um, uh. I grew, I grew my family up on the floor up, man. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, so, uh, I was doing my, I was doing my drugs, but I never did bring the streets into my door, you know. Okay, okay. And uh, that's one thing my family, my family didn't even know I was on drugs until okay. I got, until I got busted, you know. Okay. So okay. Uh, they didn't even know, man. Uh, uh, I kept the streets out of my house. Okay. And, and I did my thing every week. Okay. Now, now tell me this, man. Uh, I know you were married. 
were you married long enough for your kids to graduate like from high school or did you leave while they were uh, still, uh, you know, in school? Uh, you know, at what stage of your life did you and your wife uh, break up as far as your children? No, we stayed together until the last one was, the last one was 14 years old. Okay. Because I remember that because of the <laughs> the child support, you know. Oh yeah, that's kind of hard to forget that part. Yeah, yeah they threw, yeah. they it threw that child support on that last child. But I seen all of them graduate. I seen that's all fantastic. Of, and she well, I seen all the one that graduate, but two of my boys got GED. You know, and that's okay. So yeah, that's equivalent. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, look here, uh everybody got a good job today. That's you real know? good, man. So they they doing they they are very independent, they taking care of themselves. So uh they I had two of them. One of them did federal time uh in Oklahoma. He got busted in Oklahoma and they 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 gave him he almost did ten years up there, man. Yeah. And uh but his confinement was not like the other confinement. He uh he actually had a job. <laughs> he okay. could he could leave the jailhouse and go to a job, you know. Okay. So that's how minimum that's how low key he was. Right. So uh but uh the thing is uh uh He's a truck driver now, and he owns two trucks of his own. You know? That's good. And my my youngest boy was uh he got jammed up and had to do time up here. The one that's off of forty five and uh, twenty. Wilma Hutchins. Wilma Hutchins. Yeah, he did his time over there, but see, he didn't do two years. He did less than two years over there. Okay. So, but if he had done a complete two years, the state would have paid for his schooling and all that stuff, you know. But he didn't do no two years. So he had to struggle out here once he got out here, man. Right, and right. So uh, he had a hard time. He did. And I seen it. But I knew if he's going to learn anything, he's going to have to be constantly resilient. Right. Find find an answer for all these situations. Right. And then he he did. He 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 he's a truck driver himself now. He he been driving for a long time now, man. He's driving for the post office now. You know. That's great. That's great. Now, with you uh, uh being in a wheelchair and everything, and you say you can walk on crutches and stuff, uh, do you have to have special things to drive a car? No. Uh, but my left leg don't do nothing. I, I can't work my left leg at all. It, okay. It, it don't help me in my driving, but I can use my right leg, and that's what I do for braking and gassing up and all that, you know. Okay, good, good. So you can drive and get around and, and go to different places without, you know, having to call, like, uh, uh, some assistance, like, from a van or something like that? No, I don't have. I don't need none of that. You know, man, that's fantastic, man. See, look here. 
I make hard look easy. I make okay. fast. I make fast look slow, man. Okay. Look here. This my trip and what I've been through. It may look like it's easy for me today, but it's been a process, man. It's been a long. Look here. I still have issues with my genitals. My bowel movement and all of that, man, you know. I hadn't thought about that part. Yeah, man. I mean, those parts are everyday issues that are private. I mean, I got you. Right. right. You don't share that with nobody, you know. Right. Right. And they are are strenuous. Yeah. They're very strenuous and they're painful. Right. But. It's, it's, it's no use in talking about it because ain't nothing going to change nothing, you know. So you, you, you just go through the process and make everything look okay. Yeah. And, 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 and it really is okay because you made it okay. See, most of everything I go through is on a toleration level. Okay. I learned to tolerate this at this level. You know I got I mean? you. So if it ever exceeds that, then I would know the difference. You know. That reminds me of a saying: uh, "Mind over matter." I don't mind, and it doesn't matter. Hey, uh, yeah, that's way. I mean, look here, man. Uh, it ain't easy, but you make it look easy. And yeah. see, that's the thing about back surgery. I don't tell nobody my story I if they're gonna, they gonna have a back surgery. Right. Because they might they, they might deny it all together because of what I went through. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, and, right. And and even if they make their own mind up, they still gonna have what they hear from me on their mind. You oh, know? absolutely. Absolutely. So I try not to tell my story to any and everybody, man. You know, I just don't, because I know it can be a determining factor in, sure. in, their, in their decision, you know. You're absolutely right. Because, I mean, you're only human, you know, and you're going to have reservations anyway, whether you have a conversation with someone that's been through it or not. For the challenges that you're going to have to face, you're going to think about that because you know how serious it is. And so with somebody telling you what they went through or their procedure or what went wrong, I mean, that's going to make it even worse. So I understand exactly where you're coming from by not sharing your story with them because you want them to just go in there with a free mind and an open mind and not having to be thinking about what you went through. So, uh, man, I mean, it's, it's like a challenging thing, man. And uh, to to hear you going through the things, the way you approach things, man. Uh, I think about also when uh, uh, we were growing up and, uh, you know, uh, there was a song by this guy, Jerry Butler. I think we were like uh, teenagers going to the Maverick skating rink and stuff like that. He had a song, man, Only the Strong Survive. But it didn't mean how much iron you could pump. It meant yeah. mentally. How strong are you mentally so you can meet the challenges that's faced with. And so with you, like you said, you were good at what you did in the Marines. You were always strong-willed. 
you know, and so the thing of it is, you were facing all kind of challenges then. So mentally, you were still strong and strong enough to face the challenges that you had to endure, you know, after the surgery went wrong, man. And uh, man, I commend you for that, man. And, you know, I appreciate you sharing that, man. But hey, look, man, we're getting uh, to a point where we really need to close this one out. Uh, I mean, I could go on with this topic and we can talk about that. And uh, hopefully somebody will benefit from, you know, you sharing that with us today. But is it anything else you would like to share with the listening audience today? Well, I regret that you we're running out of time because I wanted to get into the fact that uh, before my surgery, I want. Uh, well, if 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 we can do it like within the next five minutes, we can go ahead and do it. But other than that, we'll have to try to wrap it up. Yeah, let me let me hear you say this then. Okay. I was an iron worker, man, for 30 some years. I worked all these high rides around downtown Dallas and all that. I worked on those. Oh, okay. And uh, I was using drugs. Okay. I'm just trying to share that I did that job, man. Every, I mean, I was like John Wayne, and I was doing some John Wayne stuff. Every job I went on, I was always above the ground. Okay. And so. That really what led to my surgery because I had uh, injured my back and uh, stretched it, twisted it, and did all kind of things, and I had to wind up getting the surgery. Wow! But uh, <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is, I stopped using drugs while I was still working at Iron Two because uh, that drug had me going, man. I mean, I was speedballing 100% every week. I got paid big. I was making big I was making 20 some dollars an hour back then in the 80s. You know, in the 80s, that, that was a lot of money. True, true. So uh, I was making 20 some dollars an hour back then, man. And, and so I, huh? I, excuse me for one second. I heard you mention that uh, doing the drugs and you were speedballing. There's some people in the audience that don't know what speedballing is. Can you break that down and tell them what that consists of? What kind of drugs? Speedballing is is the top of the line. That's when you're doing heroin and cocaine. Okay, and that's, that's powder cocaine, it, not crack it, cocaine. That's it's not. It's now you can't. You can't speedball with crack. It, okay. it, it don't. It don't work. But. Right. Uh, the thing is, you have to have straight up cocaine powder and straight up cocaine, I mean, uh, hair run powder. Okay. And so, uh, with those two, that's the top of the line. That's the top of the line. Okay. And so, you were addicted to that while you were working and... Uh, I did yes. that over 30 something years. I did that all the way from Vietnam. Wow. Well, yeah. you know, it's a lot of guys, man, that got caught up, man, in Vietnam, man. And that's some things that they don't talk about a lot. But, uh, yeah, a lot of guys got caught up in Vietnam, man. Especially, like, you're going over there and you're younger. And some guys may have been streetwise and some may not have. But, you know, to see your friends and, and things getting, you know, shot down and knowing that you can lose your life at any time. And that was something I feel like would be like a crutch. You know, so if you uh, uh, introduce the heroin, you know, I can see that. They, it was heroin, but they call it a uh, Hong Kong rocks. 
or they call it China. Okay, I got you. I got China you. China White was was the the heroin. Okay. But the cocaine was just called cocaine. Called we we call it girl, boy and girl. Boy was the heroin. Girl was the cocaine. Okay. Which they say, man, I'm going to get me a boy and girl. You know. I got you. I got you. And uh, we go and fix up. I and did so that for many... I did that for thirty some years. But see, the thing is, it took a process to quit. Okay. First was the mind thought about it, just to think about it. Right. And then you do about a year or two thinking about it, and then you want to put it into action. Okay. And then, see, the thing about putting it into action is it's a lot of anxiety, man, a lot of frustration. You, you get mad for no reason at all. You just be pissed. All kind of negative attitude will right. come out of you. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But, but you have to learn that that is part of the process. Right. If you don't realize that's part of the process, you might keep on doing some crazy stuff just because you think that's you. You know, but that's not you. Well, I recall reading in uh, one of these books, and I've read several uh, self-help books, but none of them from cover to cover. And in one of these self-help books, it says, if you change your thoughts, you'll change your destiny. And so that's what I'm hearing you saying, you know, that it wasn't like an easy thing to do, but your mind was made up and you had the determination. And uh, there's power in a made-up mind. But hey, look, man, we're going to have to close this one out, man. Okay. But uh, okay. yeah, man, I've really enjoyed it and I uh, wish we had more time. But uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And hopefully uh, someone could uh, be inspired. Uh, hopefully someone would be uh, empowered and motivated uh, because you've had some real challenges that you face in your life, man. And uh, I am so glad to see that you overcome that and uh so what year did you get clean from drugs in 93 man that's fantastic man fantastic that's a great story man i appreciate you sharing that and so anyway uh we're going to get ready to close this one out uh anthony uh thanks again for sharing your story we just got through talking to anthony mitchell longtime friend of mine and uh we're still friends after 63 years uh but on that note we're going to close this one out Thanks again, Anthony. Thank you.